everyone, it's Krista Bontrager. I'm your tour guide this year for 2013 as part of the Route 66 campaign for Grace Church of Glendora. We're going through the entire Bible. This week, we're in the Book of Numbers. Are you ready? Let's go! Welcome to Week 8 of the Route 66 campaign. And this week, we're going to be starting in Numbers, Chapter 16, and ending the week in Numbers, Chapter 32. We'll almost make it to the end of the Book of Numbers. Not quite. We'll get there next week. But big chunk of the Book of Numbers this week. And a lot of interesting things happening this week. We're going to be walking with the Israelites, wandering through the desert. They're going to be encountering some other people. And so we're going to walk through some highlights from this week's reading. And we're going to start with the story of Korah in chapter 16. Now, this, in my opinion, is one of the stranger stories in the Bible. Not every day that the earth opens up and swallows a group of people. But um, just to clarify a couple things, Korah was a descendant of Levi. And so he was among the people that had duties as part of the tabernacle. However, the sin here seems to be one of arrogance where he goes to Moses and Aaron and he basically wants more priestly responsibility. He wants to be able to present sacrifices like Aaron, the head priest. And so there's a fairly significant judgment against Korah and his followers. And then immediately after that story is chapter 17, where there's kind of a confirmation. You know, there's been this rebellion against Aaron's leadership as the priest. And then God devises a test where Moses goes through some actions and then there's a clear confirmation from the Lord of who's in charge, who's the priest, who's the one that's qualified to offer the sacrifices. So we might step back and ask, okay, what is the purpose of these two chapters, 16 and 17? Well, a couple of thoughts. One is that under the Old Covenant, it was very clear that not just anyone could offer sacrifices and not even just anyone who was descended from the Levitical priesthood. Apparently, only those who were descended from Aaron could offer the sacrifices. The other Levites had maybe temple duties that they would help out with at the temple or at the tabernacle, but really only Aaron and his descendants were the ones who could accept the sacrifices. Now, there's a little bit of fuzziness here, but that seems to be the view that that most scholars agree on. And then we move into chapter 18, where there's a lot more explanation about the duties of the priests and the Levites. And again, following on the heels of chapters 16 and 17, there's just a lot more clarification on who's qualified to do what in the tabernacle sacrifices. Now, one observation you're going to notice is that there's a lot of discussion about things that are holy. And what the text means by that is that basically objects could be categorized in two different ways. They were either common or holy. And if something was holy, it was dedicated to the Lord. And if it was common, it could be used in everyday use. Whether something was common or holy wasn't so much about the item as it was who it was dedicated to. In other words, 
a lamb could be either common or holy. What made the lamb holy was not something intrinsic to the lamb. It was that it was designated to be holy and it was consecrated to the Lord for a holy purpose. Having something that was common or everyday wasn't a bad thing. It's just that it was different than being holy. So when you read about all of these offerings and and everything, it's talking about holy things and bringing them and the first fruits. These are all things that would have been part of their sacrifices. Now, one thing that was interesting as I was reading through chapter 18 was there was a little section in the middle there about how the first born or the first offspring of every womb, both man and animal, is offered to the Lord. There there had to be a ceremony of redemption for that firstborn. But what's interesting to me is this is one of the ways where many of these rituals that seem so foreign to us uh, really stood out from the other ancient Near Eastern peoples. In other cultures at that time, it was not uncommon for the firstborn to actually be sacrificed to a god. And Israel's god does not require the firstborn son to be sacrificed. Rather, there is a redemption offering for the firstborn. So that was just something that kind of stood out to me. And, you know, as if we had time and we were looking at the background of all of these rituals and sacrifices, we might discover how these practices actually make Israel stand apart from the other nations. And this is what God's intention was, is that Israel would stand apart and be holy, be different than the other nations. When we get to chapter 20, we have the famous story of the people. They're in the wilderness. They're kind of a little bit burned out with being there. They're wondering why they ever followed Moses in the first place. And they need some water. And there's the rather unfortunate incident here where instead of obeying God's command to speak to the rock so that water would come out, instead instead of speaking to the rock, they strike the rock with a staff. And this is the sin that ultimately causes Moses and Aaron to be judged by God. And their punishment is that they will die in the wilderness. They will not enter the promised land. And in fact, this week we will read about the death of Aaron. That is a consequence of that action in the wilderness of striking the rock rather than speaking to the rock. Now, you might find it useful to get out a map as you're reading through chapters 20 and 21, where the Israelites are going to be encountering some of their neighbors as they're wandering in the wilderness. The first group that they encounter is Edom, and then later they encounter the Canaanite king Arad, who is living in the Negev, and then they journey to Moab. And these are all places that are either part of Israel or surround Israel. Now, the Edomites, if you remember, are the descendants of Esau. If you remember back to our reading in Genesis. Now, if we revisit our story, our grand big picture story of the seed of the woman versus the seed of the serpent, 
Esau was cast in the role of the seed of the serpent. And so when Israel is wandering in the desert and they bump up against the Edomites, that's one of those intersections between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And, you know, they're going up against their enemy, but it's also they're going up against a family member, an extended family member, if you will. And so when the Edomites deny them passage, it's really kind of a, a slap in the face as a distant cousin that says, no, you can't come over to visit. You're not coming through here. When we get to Moab, if you remember, who's a famous person who was from Moab? And that's Ruth. And Ruth lived during the period of the judges. And we will encounter her a little later. Now, the origin of Moab is also connected to the book of Genesis. If you remember the story of Lot, and there was a situation where he engaged in incest with his daughters in Genesis 19, that his sons were Moab and Ammon. And from those two come the descendants that live in the land of Moab. So once again, we have kind of some distant relatives of Israel, and they're bumping into them in the wilderness as well. When we get to chapter 22, we're going to read about the story of Balaam. And it's a very interesting story. It's continuing with the theme of the Moabites. And basically, the king of Moab, a man named Balak, commissions Balaam, who is a sorcerer or a, a person that practices divination, to pronounce curses against Israel. It was kind of like, well, I'm not sure my army is big enough to beat Israel, so I'm going to get this magician in here to call on some spirits and pronounce some curses against my enemy, in this case, Israel. Now, in this passage, in Numbers 22 and 23, Balaam is painted somewhat as a reluctant prophet. He's definitely a pagan prophet, but yet he's exhibiting some level of obedience to the Lord, to Israel's God, uh, because of the intervention of the, of the angel of the Lord through Balaam's donkey. But there's other places in scripture where Balaam is universally condemned for what he does. And in fact, when we get to chapter 25, we see that the Israelites fall into sexual immorality and idolatry with Moabite women. And we learn later in chapter 31 that Balaam is largely the one who instigated this problem. So it doesn't seem as if he converts to Judaism or you know, accepts Yahweh as his God, he is a pagan prophet who's used by God in a very specific situation to not pronounce curses against Israel, but yet he continues to follow his gods, the Moabite gods, and even seduces Israel into doing that as well. When we get to chapter 26, we're going to read through another census. Remember, we're in the book of Numbers, and we started out the book with a census, and now we're here in chapter 26, there's going to be another census. And then toward the end of the week, we're going to read a little bit about foreshadowing of Joshua, who will be named as the successor to Moses. We'll have a little bit more about festivals and offerings. 
We're going to read about the Feast of Tabernacles and Trumpets and some other things. There'll be an entire chapter on vows and making vows. And then in chapter 31, it returns to the story of the situation with Moab and the Midianites and the apostasy there. And then we're going to end the week in chapter 32, where we have a discussion about the tribes of Reuben and Gad and a judgment by the Lord that their inheritance of the promised land will be different than the rest of the tribes of Israel. So you'll read about that. There's a lot of action this week in the text. Again, a map might be helpful to you as you as we begin to follow the wanderings of Israel through the wilderness. Also, remember, if you get behind, don't stress out. If you can't get caught up, just skip ahead to where we are that day and keep pressing on. And if you happen to miss Pastor John's sermon from a couple weeks ago about the Jewish sacrificial system, that would be a great one to catch up on this week. You can download that podcast from the Grace Church website because it'll really give you some foundational background to a lot of the laws that we've been reading about. So just in case you missed that, now's a good time to get caught up on listening to that sermon. Well, I hope you found this helpful. I look forward to continuing our adventure next week, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye.